Welcome to Shatterproof. I am your host, Todd Callahan. You can connect with me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our app by searching Ignite Church VT on your app stores, or you can follow us online at ignitechurchvt.com. We've got an incredible conversation today about faith and politics and why it's important to bring the two together, especially in this culture, in this time, right now, in this season of life. You don't want to miss it. Share this podcast, share this episode. I'll be right back. We have an incredible event tonight happening here at Ignite Church uh, in Williston, Vermont, and uh, Turning Point USA representatives from throughout the region are here to um, hold a, a, a session on knowing your rights and why it's important to know your rights, why it's important to stand for your rights and stand for the freedoms and the liberties that God has given us, that we have, especially in this nation, not given by man, but given by God. And uh, as we look around the, the world and we look at other nations, we so see the importance of freedom. We see the importance of knowing what our rights are. We see the importance of understanding why we stand up for our freedom and our rights to worship, our rights to assemble, our rights to have free speech, even if we disagree. How many of you know that even if we disagree, we can still speak freely? And I believe that there are some integrity and some morality clauses of life that we implement when we operate in those freedoms. Like we don't, you know, we don't want to beat people down with our words. We don't want to uh, intimidate people and 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 speak um, um, speak death to them. But we want to speak life over them. And sometimes when we speak the truth, that's birthed out of our faith in God, it disagrees with people. So you know, what do we do with with faith once the door? has opened in a failing worldly culture. Often it leads us to question faith, faith that sometimes is often sick. So at the center, what does God really truly want from us? If he opened the doors, what do we do once we walk through the door and how does faith operate? How do we bring faith into our life and in, in, into a culture that is so politically divisive and so politically driven? I think if any relationship is going to be healthy, well, you know, fruitful and fulfilling, this question has to be answered because I don't understand how you develop intimacy and trust in any relationship without intentionally addressing this question, because I believe it's possible to be in a relationship with someone who has good intentions, but they have really bad execution, meaning they are giving you what they think you want, but not really giving you what you need. So it's critical to investigate and explore what it is at the center that God really, really wants. And in this setting, it would be answered in a number of, of different ways. Um, you know, we talk about allegiance. We talk about obedience. We talk about intimacy. All of those um, have, a re- have, have an aspect of relationship with God. And, and I don't think those areas are necessarily um, incorrect. I just think they're, they're incomplete at the most, because I believe that those, those areas are the fruit of what God wants, not really the root of what God wants. And I believe that at the core, God wants to be believed. What does God want? God wants to be believed. And I'm not talking about believing in God. I said he wants to be believed. So why is it that we allow the government We allow local officials to determine our values, to determine our morality, to determine what we believe inside of our faith when those people who are speaking toward us are are people that aren't even of faith, and yet we're allowing them to dictate who we are as believers. And this is why we're having this event here um, in Vermont about knowing your rights and understanding who you are, not just as a Christian, not just as a believer, but who you are as an American and how you can bring the political conversation and your journey of faith together. So to believe God is to believe his nature and his ability. It is to say God I believe you are exactly who you say you are. As you reveal yourself in the scriptures, that's who you are. Some, for some of you listening, he's your way maker. You've got to believe it. He's a door opener. You say you're, you're, you, know, he, he, you, know, you, you say you're at, a, at, a, at a difficult place right now in your life, and you've got to believe he's peace in the middle of your storm. He's bread when you're hungry. 
He's water when you're thirsty. We have to believe exactly who he says he is. And in this culture, it's difficult oftentimes to try to understand that reality. Because we have this thing called an absolute truth, absolute morality that the word of God defines for us and we live out of that. The culture right now tells us there are no absolutes. There are no absolute truths. There are no absolute realities. It's whatever you call it, whatever you believe it to be, that's what it is. That doesn't work with God. So how do we bring in the conversation of faith and politics when the whole political spectrum is built on lies, deception, and untruths? This is 2022. I don't know how long this has been going on for. I was born in 1976, and I remember um, um, certain elements early in my life of, of, of seeing politics on my old black and white television with the, the rabbit ears. I can, I can see, you know, the early years of President Reagan. If I close my eyes, I can see him on that television. And, and as I begin to, uh, to grow in my youth, I remember seeing other uh, depictions of, of what I can now look back and realize that was a, you know, those were political narratives that, that I was observing. But as you look at politics in 2022, how are we as Christians, how are we as people of faith able to continue to operate out of God's absolute truth and the absolute morality of the word of God in a, in a, in a culture that is continuing to evolve and it's getting less godly and more sinful. The nature that we're seeing in this world right now is more carnality, more untruthfulness. Whatever you want truth to be, that's what it can be. Now, I'm not saying that God simply wants us to believe in his existence. I'm saying he wants us to believe in his nature and his ability. And that, that kind of belief is what the Bible calls faith. And faith is a word that's often used richly but understood poorly. It's a term that's tagged to concepts that aren't actually faith. Because there are times when we can unintentionally label things like optimism as faith. Well, I believe our nation's going to turn around. Great. The Bible says if you get on your face, you begin to petition for uh, petition heaven on behalf of your nation, and, 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 and you, you seek repentance and forgiveness as a nation, that God will hear from heaven and heal our land. How many of us are really getting on our face, you know, uh, not necessarily physically, but, but petitioning heaven in a way that we are, we are intentionally interceding for the region, the nation, the country, the territory that God has given us? How many of us are really, truly, intentionally going after a move of God in this nation? Or are we continuing to complain about everything we don't like? We don't like gas prices. We don't like food prices. We don't like inflation. We don't like taxes. We don't like the president. We don't like Congress. What are we doing to change the spiritual nature? What we fight in the spirit is more real than what we are fighting naturally on the earth right now. Well, pastor, I just believe somehow it's going to work out. That's not faith. That's optimism. And that's not all bad, but it's not all biblical either because faith makes you, faith will make you optimistic, but just because you have optimism doesn't mean you have faith. Optimism does not have an object in which the faith goes into. The Bible says that faith has an author, so it comes from somebody and it has a finisher. It goes back to somebody. So as we look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, optimism says it will somehow work out, but faith says God will work it out. And it's not going to work out on its own. And I know somebody that's working behind the scenes, right? And he's orchestrating your affairs and my affairs and all of the affairs of humanity. And according to the counsel of his own will, God is working it out. So I don't believe it's going to work out. I believe God is getting ready to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for our good. I don't have optimism. I've got faith. And faith is a belief for a trust that produces a corresponding action. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth all the time about everything. So if God says, if he will heal this land, if his people will, will, will petition and get on our face, repent from our sins, God will hear from heaven and heal our land, then where is the church? Why, is, why are pastors and why is this conversation of faith and politics being avoided behind the four walls of the church? I'm amazed at how many pastors will stay away from this conversation. Well, we're not going to talk about abortion because that's political. That's not political. 
the culture hijacked it and made it political. Well, we're not going to talk about homosexuality because that's, that's, that's a political issue. That's not political. That's biblical and scriptural. We're not going to talk about transgenderism. That's political. God made man and he made woman. He made male and female. That's scripture. That's not political. So we have all of these elements that the political conversation has hijacked. And now the church won't even talk about it when it's Bible. The devil comes for three things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And for many Christians and many pastors around this nation and throughout the world, he has succeeded in silencing them and closing their mouth from talking about certain subjects and topics that are deeply rooted in our culture. And the church has remained silent. And we've wondered why the church has been rendered powerless in this culture. So you can talk about politics at work, but you can't talk about your faith. Well, guess what? Most of the stuff you're having a conversation about that you deem political is godly. It's rooted in scripture. And if you would change that conversation, it would go a different way because it's not truly political. I believe that we are about to see the greatest move of God that we've ever seen on the face of this earth. And it's going to require a conversation that's going to come out of the church, that's going to come out of the mouths of Christians and pastors and people of faith who are, who are, who are believing God to reach down from heaven and touch this nation, touch nations around the world. We need, we need our nations healed. Listen, the United Nations is not going to heal this world. NATO is not going to heal this world. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not going to heal this nation and bring it together. Our politicians are dividing this nation and, and many people of faith are playing right into the devil's schemes, right into his hands. But I believe that what the enemy means for evil, God's going to turn around and work for his glory and for his good. We've got representatives from Turning Point here who are going on to college campuses and experiencing all kinds of things. They are being uh, shouted at, screamed at, spit on. Um, Their their information is being destroyed and stolen. We've got uh, representatives from Turning Point Faith here and who who are trying to get pastors and churches to bridge the gap between faith and politics and bring it together so we can have a conversation as the people of God about what's taking place in our culture, what's taking place at, 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 in, in our school districts and on our school boards and at our, in our local government levels. We've got to be involved. We have to have these conversations. If we don't, the prince in power of the air is going to grab hold of these conversations and run wild with them while the church sits back and wonders what happened. Why is this culture going to hell in a handbasket? Why are we losing this generation and this culture right now? It's because the church has been sitting in their spiritual lazy boys doing absolutely nothing to engage the culture. Truthfully, it's not necessarily all the people that sit in the seats in the pews. It's the ones that hold the microphone and stand on the stage week after week. They're the problem. If you're a pastor, I implore you, implore you to get out from behind the, 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 comf- the comfort levels that you've been operating at for many years. And begin to engage in a conversation that's, that's kingdom-minded and that changes our culture. Jesus came and he disrupted the conversation culturally because he was there to bring his kingdom into the earth. And anytime you are there to bring a different political establishment, understand Jesus was not a religious figure. He was not a religious figure. He was a political figure because he came to bring his kingdom. And when God came to bring his kingdom, the conversation changed. And we as the people of God must be a part of a kingdom conversation, which means there's going to be a clash in bringing God's kingdom. And if we don't begin to be a part of bringing God's kingdom into a political conversation that's happening right now all over the nation, throughout the world, then we will watch as generation after generation continues to decline and faith and values and morality continue to be watered down. I mean, guys, think about this. We're, people are, people, we're, we're seeing people celebrate a male swimmer winning competitions, standing up and celebrating this guy while he's competing in female categories. 
We're celebrating that. I'm not, but other people are. It's absolutely deplorable to see what's happening inside of our college sports, inside of the Olympics, inside of all elements of competition now. Now we've got, what's the point? Why even have male and female sports anymore? It's ridiculous. We have to stand for truth. There is no male that should be competing in female sports and there's no female that should be competing in male sports. God built you differently, period. End of discussion. End of discussion. That is why if men are allowed to compete in women's sports, well, they say they're a woman. If men are allowed to compete in women's sports, they will dominate all women's competition, uh, all women um, um, competition inside of those selected categories. They will always win. And it's gotten, I'm not saying that to be derogatory to women. I'm just saying God built men naturally different and he built women naturally different. That's just the way it is. And pastors won't have those conversations and they won't stand at their pulpit and, and, and speak against allowing those things to happen and encouraging their congregation to reach out to their elected officials to make sure that high school sports are not, are not affected by that and that their, their local collegiate sports are not continuing to be affected by that. The NCAA needs to straighten up and get things right. They need to go back and make things right. You've, if I was a father of, of young ladies who had been training and training and training year after year after year to be competitive at a collegiate level, to go on to the Olympics or, or, or to do something professionally, and all of a sudden a, a guy who just decides one day, hey, I want to be a female. I think God screwed up and made a mistake, and now I want to be a female. And now you're going to compete against my daughter who I've been training, and she's been training, and she's been doing all of these things year after year to go compete, and now this guy steps in, and now he's, he's winning in all of these competitions? I would be absolutely disgusted at that. Not just as a pastor, but as a father, as a man. And if you're a Christian and you say, well, you know, pastor, I don't think it's a big deal that, that they do that. You know, if, if they believe that they're female, then they have that right to believe that they're female. All right. Then you believe that God intentionally makes mistakes. Then you believe that God screwed up. You believe that God made a mistake with him. I am telling you, God is not a God of mistakes. God is a God of order. And everything that he does is right. Everything that he orchestrates is intentional. And I want to encourage each and every one of you. Stand up for truth. Stand up for righteousness. This is a moment. This is a season where you and I get to be pillars in the midst of darkness. You and I get to be light. We get to be that city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hidden because there's light that is continuing to shine out of each and every one of us. So wherever you are right now in your faith journey, I encourage you and implore you to take a step of faith and represent truth, represent uh, light in the midst of darkness. Darkness represents ignorance. Ignorance represents darkness. Be a light. Be, be filled with the knowledge of the word of God. Be filled with truth and represent truth everywhere you go. It's time for us to bridge this conversation of faith and politics so that we can change the political narrative. We can change the landscape politically, that we can be an impact in our culture and see God's kingdom come. Listen, I'm going to bring in a couple of uh, individuals that represent Turning Point. You're going to get to hear what they say. They've got some incredible th things to impart to you. Um, um, so I've got Savannah and Kalatia. Can't wait to have you guys come in and be a part of this conversation. Savannah, why don't you come in first? It's an honor to have Savannah who represents Turning Point. She is the upstate field representative for Turning Point. And we just had an incredible evening tonight, um, an event that we called Knowing Your Rights, right? And yes. um, want to make sure that we know our rights and understand uh, everything that we, um, uh, we need to defend and should defend. And Savannah has um, been, how long have you been working for Turning Point? About a year and a half. About a year and a half. How, how has the, uh, how's that experience been? Like when you go on campus, right? When you go on campuses, I've seen some of your Instagram stories and, and how you're treated and what the response is when you're putting, um, you know, the promotional things for Turning Point on your tables. Give me an idea of what it's like. What's an experience on campus like? Um, it can be a mixture of a lot of things. Sometimes people are really... 
interactive, even though they disagree. Sometimes they're extremely hostile and aggressive, as you've seen in the videos. But a lot of times, sometimes I just try and kind of create some sort of dialogue, agree to disagree. And that's when, you know, little mini crowds start to form and these discussions start happening on campus. And yeah, and it kind of brings people to a surface to you know, become more confident in their own ideas. And sometimes students will, you know, I'll ask them, do you identify as conservative, liberal, moderate, libertarian? And a lot of times they'll say that they identify as liberal, but then you actually start asking them questions. Like, do you Mm. trust the government? How do you feel about taxation? How do you feel about school choice? How do you feel about mandates? And they're like, oh, I don't like any of that. I don't trust the government. So I'm like, (laughs) well, you've been told that you're liberal and you're all these things or you're socialist and you voted for Bernie and all this stuff. And they're just kind of, I don't know if it's something that's taking place at the schools, if it's just what's cool or trendy in the Northeast, New England. So when you're talking to them, are they open for dialogue or are they pretty much shut down to what you say? Um, it really just depends. A lot of times they just ignore me, make fun of me, whatever. Sometimes yeah. they stop and just to cause trouble, but sometimes they really do just stand there and just ask questions and... Um, even though a lot, most of the time we disagree, uh, we usually find some sort of common ground on something. And it's not really my job to tell people how to think. Well, it's definitely Mm -hmm. not my job to tell people how to think. It's my job to kind of plant a seed and let them kind of figure out their views on their own. Like, obviously, as a representative for Turning Point, I do agree with their views and their positions on things. But of course, every representative is still a person and we still have our own variations of beliefs and people just need to realize like, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what would you say on campus is one of the most, what's, what's one of the hot topics on campus right now? Um, with the girls, it's definitely, um, a lot of social issues such Mm. as like abortion and healthcare with the men. It's surprisingly the same. Really? Um, yeah. And, mandates there a lot of them are actually like sometimes you know they're sick of the mandates but sometimes a lot of times they're thankful for them and some and like sometimes I'll just walk around campus and you know if I'm not tabling and I'll do a survey like how do you all feel about the second amendment I did that at UVM and I probably interviewed uh well over 100 people and conducted a survey and roughly like 40 to 50 almost 50 percent I want to say it was like 44 percent I'll have to double check my numbers I were like what's that no kidding. And this wow. is at University of Vermont. And wow. it's really disappointing to be told that um, all these horrible things by these students that say, you know, all these misrepresented facts about the organization and about conservatism and libertarianism in general, when they're just misinformed about just basic constitutional yeah. freedoms and um yeah, it's 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 really disappointing. Are they open for change, or do they do, do most people feel like? Do, do you feel like most people are like they're rooted and they're 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 in their ways? Uh, they hear what you say, but they're not, you know, they're not looking to change their view on abortion, or, you know, any of these other cultural um, issues that we're facing right now. Yeah, and we don't really talk about social issues. I only um, let students talk amongst themselves about it while I'm present if it arises from one of the students and I just try and trace it back to big government um you know and stuff like that but a lot of them are pretty rooted in their beliefs Mm. and their beliefs and that's unfortunate because their beliefs are misrepresented by false information Mm. and non-factual things they you know they may think that oh guns are bad but like on what grounds though, on what grounds are guns bad? They don't understand the facts. They think that an AR means automatic rifle and not armalite. And (laughs) I, to me, that was a basic fact, like one, two, three, fours and stuff, but I guess it's not. And I think that that's like, just, they're just so embedded in the media and their classes and what's cool and what's in pop culture and, you know, pop culture just unfortunately sways everybody's opinion, Instagram and, the virtual reality that they're all just stuck in and you know it's they're working on the computer they're doing school on the computer they're they don't I don't even know if people socialize on these campuses anymore they're they're in a simulation and it's really reflective and 
you know, a lot of times they don't even want to talk or engage in dialogue because they're too busy on their phone. It's unreal. And it's like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So what would you, what would you say is one of the most defining moments that as we, as we approach, um, you know, talking of speaking of guns, you look at what's happening right now in Ukraine. They're having to give citizens guns. Yeah, and the um, the quote unquote liberal socialist students right. um, are like all for it. They're sure. like, I'm so glad these Ukrainians are getting guns. It's mind blowing. What about us? Right. Just like um, that new gun bill um, in Vermont that was introduced, where um, people that are out of state can have high capacity magazines, Absolutely. but. Vermont citizens can only yeah. hold 10 rounds and That's I'm right. sure that'll change soon too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unreal. And we, and we never think it can happen in my state or in you know, Vermont's got great gun rights, but now you start to see little by little, those things begin to dwindle. Yeah. It's a away. domino effect. Yeah. Once you knock down one, there goes the rest of them. And, Absolutely. and it's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. I think that's going to happen with all these um, issues that are pressing to us. Right and we now. don't want this nation to be a nation or this state to be a state where government gets to hand you your rights and tell you what you can do or tell you what you have the right to have. If you, you, you have the right to bear arms. And if you choose to do that, that's your right to do so. Absolutely. We don't need to see a Ukraine situation. And the reason we don't have that happening in America is because we have people who bear arms. And we have the mm-hmm. ability to defend ourselves if government were, were to become so tyrannical that they would attempt to take over. Yeah, and when you kind of discuss the facts with them about that, about how all these media sources are actually speaking the truth right now, and it's about Ukraine and everything, mm-hmm. well, for the most part, um, the general idea, I yeah. won't even get into details, but <laughs> but then the, they're just displaying their hypocrisy, yeah. and I just don't really understand because it's all just what's what's cool and what's trendy just like how um in brattleboro right now where i live they second the you know war started they put up all these ukraine flags everywhere just virtue signaling it's like where's the american ones i mean there is an american one here and there but it's just all centered around ukraine it's centered Mm -hmm. around um the refugees and stuff and it's like not to say that those things don't matter but they are just neglecting their own citizens. Absolutely. Just, just like how whenever they housed all these refugees that they brought to Vermont, but That's right. Vermont's homeless people survived, barely survived the winter, Yeah, you know, the brutal winters that we have, and they even knocked down one of their encampments back um, downtown. And I think we yeah. had that um, up here in um, Burlington, if I'm not mistaken, right. too. Yeah. So absolutely. it's really unfortunate that we're just ignoring these um, people right here that are our neighbors and not so much. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's um, it is it is a war of uh, as we were talking about tonight. You know, not necessarily a cultural war, but a, a war of right and wrong, good versus evil. And I think as we see all of these politicians and these political tyrants throughout the world enabling and empowering other people to do the same um, within their own belief system, um, you know, it, it causes for great disparity and great division. Um, but um, I applaud you very much so for having the boldness and the courage to go on college campuses and beyond to do what you do. And Thank um, you. Um, just out of curiosity, what's one of the worst things that happened to you when you've gone on campus? Um, one time I was at College of St. Rose in New York, um, and I had nothing but an I Heart America sign, um, and I was over in, like, the center of campus or whatever, and then they went ahead, and I was being harassed by a few students, so I went ahead and moved to, like, the other side, and then the administrators came and said I was disruptive and I had to leave and all that stuff. Oh, my goodness. So I was like, fine, I'll go to the sidewalk over here, and, you know, there's still students, whatever. The students followed me and came back with BLM signs and um, just, you know, the the typical leftist propaganda um, that was just – and I never said – BLM didn't matter or any of that, you know, just at iHeart America, just keep in mind. And, um, within probably like 20 minutes, they were, you know, screaming at me, getting in my face behind me. There was probably a crowd of like 20 people. And this was in Troy, New York. It's not the best area. Um, and 
Um, cops had lined the street. I had to be escorted back to my car. It was really um, quite ridiculous. They scared away the two students that were interested in starting a chapter there. Wow. And um, eventually, I think that one of the students ended up like transferring to a school in like, Kentucky or something like that. Wow. I mean, that's how bad it is. And it's really unfortunate because even when you get students that do agree with you, that's what they're going to face on campus. Absolutely. If, if, they, if they were that. And, you know, I'm I encourage every student to be brave, obviously, but I know not everyone's me or sure. whatever. So yeah. it's it's unfortunate. Students shouldn't have to choose between their beliefs in order to feel safe or welcome on a campus, especially a campus that they pay that kind of money to go to. That's right. That's right. Well, I applaud you for going on there and on, on those campuses and trying to create that change and enabling people to be bold and stand up for truth and, and their faith and their values and the integrity that they carry uh, as an individual. So continue on. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, thank you so much for taking some time uh, to share with us. And um, uh, how can people uh, connect with you? Um, they can go ahead and email me, text me, call me. DM me on Instagram or Facebook. My Instagram handle is at S-L-I-V-I-N-G-S-A-V, SlivingSav. And my telephone number is 404-556-5198. And my email is Savannah, S-A-V-A-N-N-A-H dot Coelho, C-O-E-L-H-O at T-P-U-S-A dot com. Awesome. Awesome. And your daughter's ready to get mom. <laughs> so you all can go. She's done great. She's done great. Well, Savannah, thank you for spending some time um, on Shatterproof today. And uh, we're so grateful to have you. And thank you for all that you do for um, um, college students and Americans alike and for everything that you do to represent um, Turning Point USA the way you do. Oh, thank you so much. And if anyone is ever interested in getting involved, I'm the representative that covers Northern Connecticut, Western Massachusetts, upstate New York, and the entire state of Vermont. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks, Savannah. Thank you. I have with me now Kalasia Richter, all the way from Boston, my favorite sports town, Beantown. And Kalasia is the Turning Point Faith Rep um, for New England. And tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what's going on with you with Turning Point. Yeah, um, so I am the New England Faith Representative for Turning Point USA Faith. I oversee everywhere from Massachusetts all the way up to Maine, as well as upstate New York. Um, I currently live in Boston, but I'm originally from Rhode Island, um, and I have the opportunity to work with pastors, members of the faith community, as well as some nonprofits who align with our mission, and ultimately, um, I try to civically engage the faith community, um, and it's something that, unfortunately, we've sat on the sidelines a lot of times with over the past, mm. I can't even count how many decades, yeah. uh, because we've been told that as people of faith, we don't have a place um, in the civic arena. Um, so we're trying to break that narrative and get people yeah. more civically engaged. How has that How has that initial conversation with pastors and, and churches uh, gone? Have they been receptive? Have they kind of been standoffish? You know, what, what's been the reaction? So as you know, New England is a little yeah. bit of a challenge. Um, <laughs> I think for a lot of pastors, the idea of even doing something like a voter registration drive in their church is um, something that makes them a little bit uneasy. Um, and so we're kind of just working in a partnership to kind of figure out ways that they can kind of dip their toes into civic engagement. Mm -hmm. um, but there has been a lot of pastors as well who kind of understand the need after the past couple of years when churches were deemed non-essential and they were told they had no other option but to close yeah. their doors. Yep. Um, so I think in a way the pandemic has kind of been a blessing because pastors have kind of had their eyes open and understanding the basically how much government is willing to overreach into the doors of their church. Yeah. What is, if, if someone's listening and they, um, outside of obviously having a conversation with their pastor and saying, you know, can, can we get involved? How, how does someone articulate the, um, the need for faith and the political conversation that's happening, especially right now in America, especially in this, in this nation, how can someone articulate that need for faith and politics to come together? Yeah, um, I think just understanding that people go to their pastors for everything. They go to their pastors for marriage advice. They go to their pastors for financial advice. And to say that, you know, politics is off the table, that, you know, as a pastor, you don't talk about politics. Well, that, that covers everything. Um, a bunch of social issues. 
And if they're not going to their pastor for those, you know, that guidance and where are they going? Yeah. Are they looking into the media? Um, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, as people of faith, we're not really represented in that space. Um, so I think pastors need to kind of consider that, you know, their congregation needs to hear from them from about all things. And, you know, that also includes politics and social absolutely. issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is one of the things that you can say right now culturally that you see that the church and pastors really need to kind of go after and put on the forefront of their, of their perspective on, on, um, on culture right now? Yeah, I think education is a big one. Mm. I think that um, for a really long time, uh, people just, you know, send their kids to public school. I was, I went to public school uh, my entire life until I went to college, and then I went to a private school. Um, But unfortunately, in a lot of cases, public school is no longer a um, viable option for parents who want to raise their kids um, with a biblical background. And so I think um, pastors really need to kind of step up and have those conversations about what the public sphere looks like and also offer different um, alternatives, whether that's homeschooling or maybe, you know, bringing in the local um, person who leads the Christian Academy down the street and just kind of just giving parents those options and encouraging parents to understand that they are in the driver's seat. It's not the government that is raising your children. You are raising your child. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. Why is New England such a tough nut to crack for this? Why, why is it, it's, it, you know, you you think about New England, you think about um, a mirror of the left coast, right? You know, California, Washington, Oregon, you think about that whole mirror over here in New England. Why is it so difficult? Because we love to talk about politics in New England. Why is it so difficult to understand the necessity that if we're going to change the culture, we've got to bring it into a, a biblical context. We've got, got to bring it into a faith conversation so that we can create a change in our communities. Why is it so difficult in New England? I think that a lot of it is because we look at things through a secular lens. And I mean, I was raised in public school and I didn't know until I actually started this job that, um, you know, liberty is not man's idea, it's God's idea. And learning about, uh, you know, the background of the founding fathers and how, um, you know, God really played a huge role in the inspiration behind writing it. Um, And so I think that we've just always looked at things or we've gotten to the point where we're only looking at things through a secular lens. Um, And because of that, we're not not for some reason we're um omitting that information that is true but it relates to um to god and we're not teaching that in schools yeah what do you say to those who are in who are in um high school middle school um those who are in college right now and they're saying i want to be i want to be someone who can create an impact and create a change on my campus but my campus is just so liberal it's just too far gone for me to do anything how do you encourage them and and you know, what can they do to navigate their way through their fears or their insecurities to think that they can't create a change? What do you tell them? Yeah, um, so I went to school at a very small private school in Rhode Island, and I, uh, during my time there, I was openly conservative. Um, and it was very challenging. Um, I think they didn't really know what to do with me because I'm, I'm black and I'm conservative. And, and so they didn't really know how to That's handle not that. possible. Right, right. And they, <laughs> I think they thought I was a little confused. Um, but I think honestly, I think you really do need to speak up, which I know is easier said than done. But when you do um, kind of step into that space of uncomfortability, you have to understand that there's got to be at least one other person who feels the same way you do. And they're just kind of looking for that permission to be outspoken. Um, and for me, I was about just finding a really small group on campus. Yeah. Um, we were conservative and we would do different initiatives. Um, and so really just like finding that small community, even if it's one other person. Um, and, 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 you know, especially if you are a political science major, mm. speaking out in class, I know, I know it can be very challenging. But people need to hear there are different ideas. What are those engagements like? If you're in a classroom, right, and you have, you're, you're a conservative and you have a completely different point of view than 99% of the other people in the room, how's that, what's that conversation like in the classroom right now? Um, well, it's very challenging um, because when you're in the minority, it already feels like it's a lot of pressure and, yeah. and it takes a lot of courage to speak up. But I always say that even if, you know, they all disagree with you, they laugh, whatever, the professor, you know, rolls her eyes at you. 
I think that's more more important now than ever for people to be exposed to different ideas. Yeah. And college was originally like thought of this place where people could come together and right. share different ideas. But unfortunately, now that's not the case in a lot of places. Um, so I kind of kind of made it my business in college to make sure that I was sharing different ideas. And even though my classmates thought I was a little bit um, <laughs> confused because you know not uh-huh. possible to be black conservative, uh-huh. um, you know they have to understand that when they exit this space, which is primarily liberal, not everyone's going to think like you. And you need to be able to work with people who think differently than you. Um, and, and I think that that's a skill that a lot of people in my generation are lacking. Yeah. Uh, amongst others, right? Yes, amongst other <laughs> amongst things as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do, do you think the, uh, the, you know, the professors kind of drive, you know, unless you're going to a, you know, a, a private Christian school, there's probably pretty, not very much faith brought into the conversation. So are the professors driving that narrative and that conversation in the classroom? I definitely think that a lot of professors are uncomfortable with the idea of faith in God. Okay. Um, because they Unfortunately, if you're not kind of placing your moral system or your guide um, in God, it's like, okay, well, then where where is your reference point? If your reference point is it the Bible or your reference point is it God, it could be anything from like the Communist Manifesto mm-hmm. to, you know, just, just whatever, uh, you know, it could be. Um, and so again, I think you, I, I think you need to find that small group. I know most campuses, I know my campus had some sort of like Christian student fellowship or some sort yeah. of Christian group. Um, and finding those people who, you know, want to get in the word. Um, and even if it's, um, a situation where you're not actively doing things on campus, maybe you don't feel comfortable talking about your faith in class. Again, just finding that community of, um, believers, um, that you can at least fall back on yeah. when you're ha- you know, after you've had a long day, your professors done crazy stuff, uh-huh. you can gather, uh, get in the word and just kind of like have that fellowship time yeah. with people who are, you know, like-minded and, and believe the same things you do. Yeah, that's great. That, that It's important. You've got to have a circle that you can trust, a circle of people that you can run with and, you know, you're, you're of like mind, like heart, like spirit, and yes. you guys can, you know, jump in the fight together. Uh, not the physical fight, but, you know, the <laughs> spiritual fight, yes, the, absolutely. you know, the, the conversational uh, fight. Um, as I was talking with Savannah a few minutes ago, there was, um, you know, uh, can be quite the, the difficult scene on campus when you represent something um, that that uh, pushes the culture and, and pushes the the mainstream narrative uh, into question, and uh, you know one of the things that I that I love about how Turning Point has helped bring this conversation. Um, into play, and many of you have heard me talk about our friend Charlie Kirk, and uh, you know, you know, he's been a great blessing and, and uh, to us personally and to the church. But what I think uh, it, it, Turning Point's done an incredible job at is bringing that conversation of faith and politics into the, you know, into network together. It, it's not like it's it's obsolete now. And for people who don't think that that conversation is necessary, um, we didn't ask for what happened in 2020 when the government was telling churches that they didn't have the right to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought that conversation to the table. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I think that some pastors, um, you know, were comfortable talking about politics a little bit prior to everything that happened with COVID. Um, I've always been one that's been bold enough to say it from the pulpit, um, uh, what they did during the last two years really emboldened me and <laughs> empowered me to take another step of faith and go beyond. Um, but, you know, it's so important that that churches have this conversation and Christians have this conversation. And I know people, you know, that go to work, like, well, I can't talk about my faith at work, but you right. can talk about politics. So, can we bridge the two? If, if you can talk about politics at work, but you can't talk about, talk about faith at work, there's so many things that, they, that we now call political, but it's really not political. Absolutely. They've and hijacked I, it. Absolutely. And I think that young people are looking for that clarity, and people of all ages are looking for that clarity with, with these issues. Um, I mean, even something as simple as a pastor talking about the inherent difference between man and woman. Yeah. And, and how those were, you know, intentionally designed and they're uniquely special. That's controversial to say nowadays yep. that there is a difference between That's man right. and woman. Um, and I think that that can be very encouraging and empowering for somebody to hear who is, you know, they work in these spaces or they go to school in these spaces where there's all this confusion around man and woman and right. gender and all of this stuff to be able to, you know, you go to church on Sunday and your pastor's talking about the difference between man and woman and how God is so intentional and uniquely designed these things. Um, and I think we need to like kind of circle back to truths that 
I always thought were kind of obvious, but apparently, <laughs> apparently they're not as obvious. Anymore. They're not as obvious. Um, and I think people sometimes need that, like reaffirming, like, okay, I'm, I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Men, men and women are different. Great. That's right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And the, that even if people have a different point of view, we don't hate them. Right. It's exactly. amazing to, to, to hear people say, you know, where well, you're bigoted or you're homophobic or you hate them because they believe different than you. That's not true. But yet the conversation tries, they try to mute the conversation. So, that, you know, and I personally believe it's because they can't really defend what they say they believe. So they'd rather just shut down the conversation. But I, I think it's important to bridge the two and, and, you know, go to those areas in culture. And, you know, if it's transgenderism, if it's homosexuality, if it's um, um, uh, abortion rights, gun rights, uh, voting rights, whatever it is that as Christians, we're not exempt from that, that conversation because we're Christians. We're a part of that, if not should be leading the conversation because we're Christians. Yes, and I think one of the things we need to uh, stop doing as people of faith is assuming that we will be represented when we're not in those spaces. That's awesome, We, yeah. we, need, we need to be intentional about, and, and again, I'm not saying that everyone is called to run for office, everyone is called to go into the movie industry, et cetera. Right. But if you feel that you're called, we need to be represented represented in those spaces so we need to start entering those spaces we got to get off the sidelines um and i think that a lot of people are kind of coming to that realization slowly that we have to be involved in all spaces of culture as well yeah so how how does someone do that how do you encourage them to do that I mean, we've got some people here that are, that are now getting involved with their school boards. They're running for school board positions. Uh, we've got someone else that's running for a, um, a representative seat here in Vermont. Um, how do people who have never done anything like that, uh, they've never been involved, they've never spoken, uh, how, do they get in, how do they get involved? Yeah, um, so we actually have a lot of initiatives through Turning Point uh, TPUSA Faith, and um, one of them is our Biblical Citizenship course. Um, which we've partnered with Patriot Patriot Academy to do. Um, and it's actually an eight-week course that goes through the constitu- Constitution looking through a biblical lens. Mm. Um, and the course is amazing, but one of the things that I actually enjoy more so than the course is actually people getting together after the, co- the class and kind of like having that fellowship time and talking through a lot of the things that they learn. Yeah. So I think if, if getting involved politically or civically is kind of a new concept to you, um, kind of, you know, taking that course or um, even, you know, looking up who your um, elected officials are. A lot of us don't even know that. And then, mm. you know, taking some time to kind of see, like, what are they about? Um, and I, you'd be surprised how many people don't know. Um, and I think <laughs> and I think that could be an easy, tangible step of Absolutely. figuring out or figuring out who's on your school board and, you know, what, what are the things that they have been doing and maybe something that you find out will inspire you to at least show up to a meeting. Yeah. Maybe go to one of the open forums that they have and ask questions or, you know, present concerns. I think a lot of times civic engagement can kind of feel scary, but sometimes Mm. even those small steps can be so impactful in the overall grand scheme of things. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and, you know, I I 100% agree with you. And and, and I think we have to get past this narrative that because we're Christians, we can't have a voice and an influence inside of a governmental or a, a, you know, community or secular influence we, we have that ability to speak into those spaces Absolutely. we just need the boldness to do so and I, um, I can tell you the biblical citizenship class we just started that here uh, at ignite church and we're just so excited to see what god's going to do um, in and through that um, because that conversation needs to needs to be carried out and i'm grateful for everything that you do here in new england what you do for our church and how you're involved in in bridging this conversation of faith and politics one in which that you know i believe that we're in a in a in a um, um, a time and space now where we are going to see it um, come to the forefront more so than ever before. And we're so grateful that, that people like you are involved and, and have um, put, their, um, put themselves in, in, in difficult places for the sake of, of truth, righteousness, and freedom. And together, we're just going to see an incredible move of God's spirit all over this nation. We're going to see an incredible move throughout our country politically. And I believe that we're going to see um, um, people who are 
um, who have the right heart, the right spirit, the right desires, and the right uh, vision for this nation begin to run for office. And I listen. If you're a Christian and you've you've never thought about running because you you thought well Christians can't run for office or shouldn't run for office, you know we're encouraging encouraging you to do so. Whether it's at the local level, whether it's at a at, at a higher uh, level, whatever level you feel called to to um, implement yourself into with your vision, your calling, the plans and purposes that God has for your life. Go for it. Take a step of faith and begin to go after what God's calling you to go to, to go and, and, and step into. Um, because there, there's generations that are being impacted by the decisions that are being made today. And if we don't have this conversation in the church, my grandkids, your kids are going to have to, to deal with our inability to have this conversation. Absolutely. And so these are generational um, things that are that are taking place today. Well, Kalisha, thank you so much for for sitting down and and joining me on Chatterproof today. And congratulations on your engagement. Oh, thank you very and, much, and Pastor. And <laughs> enjoy your season of of wedding planning and everything that God has thank in store you. for you and your fiance. How can people connect with you and get in touch with you? Yeah, um, if you are interested in learning more about uh, TPUSA Faith, you can go online uh, to tpusa.com/faith. Um, if you are a pastor or you're someone uh, who is a person of faith and you're interested in getting involved and you live in New England, uh, you can also uh, go through that website and fill out a form and we will, I'll be able to connect with you. Um, and as well, if you would like to follow the New England Turning Point USA faith page, it is TPUSA Faith New England. Excellent. And that's on Instagram? It is on Instagram. On Instagram. <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome. Kalisha, thank you so much for taking some time to, uh, to share with us. And we pray God's blessing upon you and pray that many open doors, many pastors, many churches will jump on board with everything that Turning Point Faith is doing. And um, we look forward to the next time you're in town. Thanks, Kalisha. Savannah, Kalisha, thank you both so very much for being a part of Shatterproof today and and, uh, sharing your stories and imparting to us everything that God has laid in your spirit. Please connect with both of them. If you're in New England, we'd love to have you connect with Turning Point Faith. Uh, If you are looking to start a charter uh, in your school, on your college campus, connect with Savannah. Uh, If you're a pastor, you're a leader in your church, connect with Kalisha. I believe God's going to do great things. Listen, you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. a light everywhere you go. Don't be afraid to represent the truth of God's word in any conversation, whether it be political, whether it be about your faith, whether whether it be something in the culture, do not be afraid to engage it and be a part of it. Listen, I love you. I'm praying for you. You can connect with me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our app by searching Ignite Church VT on your app store, or you can connect with us online at IgniteChurchVT.com. Thank you for being a part of this incredible conversation today on Shatterproof, and we'll catch you on the next episode.
Connect with me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our church app, Ignite Church VT. You can connect with us online at ignitechurchvt.com. Share this podcast, share this episode. Listen, we're on the verge of the greatest move of God. Let's be a part of this thing together and see a dynamic shift happen all over the nation and throughout the world. I'll see you next time on another episode of Shatterproof.